Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith hope, and love. hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because, because they, they anchor us in something, something which can, can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching hi <laughs> okay harbor good to see ya yes yes i know it's good to see me um okay well welcome kids Welcome, grown-ups. Grown-ups, say welcome, kids. Welcome, kids. Kids, say welcome, grown-ups. Woo! Love it. Okay, so I have a very important question for us this morning, for kids and for grown-ups. My question is, what is a home? A safe place? Yep. Harbor? Yeah, a place where you get shelter. Exactly. Somewhere you can sleep. This is amazing. Yeah. What else is a home? Yeah. What? Yeah, you can eat in. Yeah, a safe place where you can have shelter, a place to sleep, a place to eat. A place where you often live. Yeah. Sometimes you live in a home. Sometimes your house doesn't feel quite homey, and maybe your home is somewhere else. That is, like, amazing and pretty much all that I was going to say today. So <laughs> we're done. Just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, yep, some pre-gaming on the blood. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So, yeah, home is a place where you feel safe, where you feel loved, and you feel welcomed to be your fullest, most amazing, beautiful self. So raise your hand if you have a home, a place where you feel safe and welcomed and loved and where you belong. Um, how about on the count of three, everybody, you can shout out loud, you can whisper, you can use an inside voice, you can say it inside your heart. But where is that place that you feel safe, welcome, and loved? Where is your home? Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love it. So we are going to learn more about a Bible story from Pastor Kara in a little bit. But it's a story about when Jesus talks about God's home. What? And did you know that in God's home that there is room for everyone? you feel safe and loved and welcomed? And did you know that God's home is a place where everyone belongs? Yes. So, okay, what do you think that looks like? 
What do you think it looks like for in God's home, everybody feels safe and welcomes and belongs? What might it feel like, say, if you went to go visit God's house? What would it smell like? Yeah. Ooh, look like a palace. Endless. Oh my gosh, yes. Super cool Minecraft house. Like, I feel like kids, we could make like God's house in our Minecraft party next week. Foreshadowing announcements. Wait, there's a Minecraft party? Mm hmm. Whoa, yeah. What else do you think? What do you think God's house smells like? <gasps> Springtime. Freshly baked cookies, cake, everything bagels, mushrooms. <laughs> that is so cool. So do we actually know what God's house actually looks like? No, we don't. And even if it is like a real life house with bricks and stuff, or maybe it's made of clouds, or cotton candy, or it's made of water droplets. That would be cool. Uh, Jesus can. Jesus can walk on water. You could float, yeah. Could you imagine if in God's home we could sleep on clouds? That does sound fluffy. No pillow. Oh, that is the life. <laughs> um, okay, so it's really fun to imagine what God's home might look like. A home that has enough rooms for everyone to belong. And maybe everyone's room smells different, like mushrooms or everything bagels or springtime. Um, but I was inspired today by an episode of Bluey. Raise your hand if you've seen this episode of Bluey with the dream house car. No? Okay. So, this is like, okay, raise your hand if you know the show Bluey. Some yeses, some noes. Okay, so, for those without kids in their lives, um, Bluey is like the best show. It's Australian, and it's cartoons with dogs, um, and... <laughs> Keith Evan. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, Bluey and Bingo are sisters, and this is them right here, and this is their mom and dad, and they just have the, the most silliest fun ever. So this is from an episode where they're imagining a dream house car. Basically, they're trying to chase their parents, and their parents are trying to get away from them. So then they dream up the dream house car. Okay, kids, what do you notice? What do you see in the dream house car? Harbor, what do you see? Oh, Wait, raise your hand. I see everything. Everything. A lot of toilets. Yep. I see a monkey. A monkey? What do you see? A lot of burgers. Yep. What about you, Lorelai? 
castles on the top of it. Yeah. What do you see, Jack? A flag that has a bagel on it. I love it. So, okay, in Bluey and Bingo's Dreamhouse car, there are 11 burger shops. There are 20 bedrooms, 40 toilets, a spa on the balcony, and if you can tell, it's driven by butlers on motorcycles. And the dream car wheels turn into rockets so they can blast up into outer space. Um, and the balcony spa has a parachute so they can jump off and float down in their spa. And it was all created by their science butler. Right here. His name is Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee, the science butler. And yeah, so I thought it would be fun if we all got to use our imaginations today and make our own dream house cars. So here's the thing. If God asked you to help her design a dream house car where everyone can feel safe and welcomed and loved and have a place where they belong, what do you think that would look like? So I've got some coloring pages, and here's what we're going to do. Kids and grown-ups will each get one of these, and I have some coloring utensils. Um, and during the rest of the service, you can just take your time imagining and drawing. And then before the benediction, after Eucharist and songs, before the benediction, before we go get donuts, we'll have a chance for whoever wants to share can share with everybody what they put in the dream house car. Does that sound good? Okay, so who wants to be my helpers in passing out the coloring pages and the pencils? All right, 30 second recess while I get the kids set up and then I'll come back with announcements. Talk amongst yourselves. Our second scripture today is John 14, verses 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. <laughs> Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Enoch. All right. My little props today. Thanks to Pastor Allie for an awesome kids sermon and activity. I see some really cool things happening down here and in our midst. As a person who has a hard time staying focused, sometimes when people talk to me, I love that there's like an activity to do with our hands. Well, welcome to a very robust passage of scripture this morning. Our reading this Sunday is is part of Jesus' farewell discourse as he prepares his disciples for his impending death and their life without him. He speaks about going on to prepare a place for them and that there is room for all. You may have heard these first few verses spoken in comfort during a memorial service or a funeral. Perhaps you were a youth group kid in the 90s and you can't hear this song without wanting to throw a football or think about a big house with lots and lots of room. If you know, you know. It's been running through our house all week and I don't know. It's like I can't stop singing it and I don't want to sing it all at the same time. So... Or perhaps you've heard part of this passage quoted at you when you dared to raise the question about whether or not your Muslim friend or your Jewish coworker or your Buddhist brother-in-law is going to heaven. Today, what I love about this robust passage is that the piece that Ali focused on is beautiful and life-giving, and this piece that I'm going to focus on is also part of that passage, but looks at a verse a few verses later. Today, we're going to focus on the way of Jesus, and I want to ask a question to the kids in the room, first of all. So how do grown-ups in your life figure out directions to a new place? Because here here we go. So say you're going to a new ice cream place in town, because I know Genesis kids love ice cream. So if you're going to a new ice cream place and you get in your car with your parent or your caregiver, how do you guys know the way? How do they figure out the way to get to the new place, Harbor? GPS, yep, yep, that's true. That's how we get the way to know the way to, to places. Do you know when I was a kid, we used to have these big car atlases. And sometimes we'd have these big fold-out maps that got really big and bulky, and then you'd have to like read the map, read the directions to the driver. And then you had to figure out how to fold that map back up, and that was impossible. It got better later when you could print out those turn-by-turn directions on your printer at home, if you had one, for MapQuest. But these days, it's much easier with our GPS. So if we're using Apple or Google Maps, it makes things a lot easier to find our way. So here's an all-play to to everyone in the room, kids, grown-ups, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum. What does it mean to you to think that Jesus is the way? What does it mean to you to think of Jesus as the way? Joan says means that she feels like she's listening step by step. Mode of being. Will said a mode of being. I like that. Goodness. Forgiveness. Mm. The way it is. Mm-hmm. 
Does Jesus take the wheel? <laughs> I feel like I pulled a little bit of an alley there, right? All right. <laughs> um, Allie um, had some great insight there, and so to try to communicate that well for our friends on the live stream, I will not do that justice, but um, to say that, at least for her, she feels directionally challenged. Um, so she imagines how patient Jesus must be. Um, and then she also felt curious about what does it mean to say that we're following Jesus? Like, how is that communicated? Is it step-by-step instructions? Is it the big map? Is it following? Is it Jesus in the passenger seat? Is it Jesus driving the caravan in front of you? What does that look like in everyday life? Anybody else before I, I don't want to stop anybody's? Yes, Steve. Steve said it also means I am not the way. Yes. Well, I was reading um, Diana Butler Bass's book, rereading it um, this week, and it's called Freeing Jesus. She's a church historian and a public theologian that I deeply admire, and her chapter on Jesus as the way really struck a deep chord for me. And I wanted to share an excerpt from it um, with all of you today as we kind of consider what it means to be on the way. She writes that throughout the, old, throughout the New Testament, Jesus invites people to follow him, to walk with him, to go on a journey. There's nothing particularly new about this as the Hebrew scriptures are full of stories of wanderers and pilgrims and exiles and immigrants. And of course, in the ancient world, teachers of all sorts, gurus, prophets, healers, mystics, they all gathered followers who embraced the master's message and put it into everyday practice. However, in the Gospel of John, Jesus ups this theological ante. He not only taught a way inviting the curious to follow him, but he said he was the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is such a beautiful verse, a poetic and parabolic image of the way, small w, and the way, big w, beckoning for all those who know Jesus to willingly embrace the journey. And so that's the path, the path, the road to liberation. And it'd be freeing except for that next sentence. No one comes to the Father except through me. I feel like I need a record scratch like noise right now. The welcome feels pulled back, right? Boundaries are put up and suddenly the picture shifts as the call to dance and sing and run through the fields fades into kind of a grim image of judgment and exclusion. So this is what sometimes is called a clobber verse. And many of us are very familiar with a variety of different ways that we use scripture historically to clobber one another. In some Christian circles, if you dare to wonder aloud if Jews or Buddhists or Muslims or secular people will be in heaven, a concerned friend is going to pull out this verse, smashing the words into the conversation to shut you up as if they're wielding a weapon. Their emphasis is not on the first half of the verse, way and truth and life, but on the second one with words like, no one and except through me. So then the way becomes not a way at all. Rather, it's this circumscribed sheet pen with fences of razor wire. There's only one way in, and the other way out means hell. But what if we looked at the way and the truth and the life as relational words? All the things that Jesus says he is. The way is not a technique 
or a map. Truth is not about philosophy or dogma. And life is not about going to heaven. In the mystical poetry of John, Jesus uses the term to explain how he embodies a way of being in this world so close to the heart of God. That God can be known in and through Jesus. Jesus says the disciples wouldn't know God except for the fact that he embodied the very love of God. The questions and worries that emanate from the disciples in these chapters of John, it shows a people who aren't worried about other religions. Rather, they're scared for themselves. They're scared for losing their friend. Thus, the whole story alternates between fear and love, worry and trust, abandonment and comfort. The disciples are frightened that their friend and their teacher are leaving, is leaving. So Jesus is reassuring them. Although they can't follow him into suffering and death, he is present with them through love and trust and faith in him not in ideas about him. The disciples have known what it means to live fully into God, to have overcome estrangement from the divine. They've formed this community, this band of fellow travelers, and they can't fathom losing that. If Jesus goes away, will they be banished from God's presence? Will they be separated from the joy that they had known together? Is that their fate? And Jesus says no. Fear and estrangement and separation and isolation, those are not the last words. Instead, Jesus invites his followers to dwell in him, even as he dwells in God. And as God has been made known through the works of Jesus, through the works of love that Jesus has done, so Jesus will continue to be known in the world through the works of love the disciples will do. And this dynamic sort of indwelling, it's not a static thing. Rather, it's like a tented God that goes along on the journey instead of one that's inside immovable walls, no matter how beautiful those walls are. I am the way, and not one of you, my fearful friends, knows God apart from what I have embodied for you, my friends. Stay close, keep the faith. This is not a threat, it's a promise. The very walls that once held back God's presence are about to break. And through the journey of self-giving love that Jesus is about to take, mercy and justice will cover the earth. There was a time when I thought that following Jesus meant walking in a line from point A to point B. And I had very explicit instructions on what it meant to get from that point A to point B. But perhaps the spiritual life is not about finding that exact right set of coordinates or turn-by-turn directions. Perhaps it's more about wandering in the open, noticing the next step that appears in front of us, noticing when maybe we need to pause and rest on the journey. My dad always said he felt closest to God in nature, and I'm sure many of us in this room can resonate. But that ruffled my teenage evangelical sensibilities who knew that the right way to be a good Christian meant that you had to be worshiping God only within the walls of a church. But then John writes of Jesus, if you have trouble believing my words, trust in what I've done. And I think about that connection. When the words fail or you're simply weary of faith, you can step out into the wildness of creation to see what God has done. Perhaps the way and the truth and the life is, 
is the full experience of divinity wherever we find it. Butler Bass writes, this quest before us might be a mapless journey. There's not a single road, and the guides to it are nature and the saints and poetry and song and spirit. And when you dare to leave the map behind, Jesus emerges as the road itself and the light that guides your path. Quakers often refer to this as the inner light, and medieval mystics speak of Jesus likewise. Meister Eckhart writes, there is a journey you must take, a journey without a destination. There's no map, but your soul will lead you. So these days, I picture my life of faith more like a labyrinth or a repeating spiral. This is far cleaner than I... <laughs> Mine's more like a messy spiral. Crossing back over and revisiting places, sometimes moving inward towards the center, and outwards again. And I imagine in this story of my own story of faith that I have little stones that I carry. Like this, little stones. And I imagine setting a little pile of stones at the places in my journey that feel revelatory, where I have learned a new name for God, or places where I have set down ideas about faith that no longer resonate with me. Butler Bass writes, though, Jesus' way is full of switchbacks, which is why I love this kind of image, that it's not just a straight line, but that we're crossing back over. Spirals, unexpected turns, mystery and paradox, unknowing and unsaying. And whenever you think you're at the center, the path suddenly veers in a different direction, and you find yourself at the edge of the way. No wonder Jesus says, follow me, and I am the way. But for a guide, you might never find the path, even if sometimes you're only following breadcrumbs that he left behind. So my invitation to all of you this week, what does your path look like on the way of following Jesus? <clears throat> if you'd like, to use, if you like to, to use labyrinth imagery or repeating spirals to doodle your own story, you can grab one of these. I've got lots following worship. Consider what have been the touch points and the roadblocks in your journey. What have you survived? Where have you thrived? Where have you sensed consolation and desolation? And I want to invite you this week to consider that way of Jesus, not being just a roadmap in front of you, but rather an invitation to take the next step in love as we're able to relish the rest when we need to take it, to notice and name the beauty and the grief in the terrain, to see how our paths intersect with others, and to abide with Jesus throughout, setting up the little piles of stones along the way to remind us of the ways that we experience God anew, of the places where the world has caused us pain or the moments where we've seen grace break through the noise, and sometimes we get to pass by those, way, those places again. Reminders of the moments when grace held us or when the Spirit compelled us to move forward and onward, deciding what we might want to pick up and take with us in the next step or two or deciding what feels too heavy to carry further. Wherever we are in following the way of Jesus, 
It all belongs within the circle of faith. Amen. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.